0: You're listening to Ari Goldwag's Parsha Podcast, recorded in Ramat Shemesh, Israel, fifty-seven, sixty-seven, two 67 2007 This week's Parsha is Parsha's Kisavo. We encounter a very important and pivotal concept at the very beginning of this week's Parsha. The concept is the concept of Bikurim, the first fruits. The Torah says, Take from the first fruits of the ground, Asher tovi me'artzecha, that you bring from your land, Asher Hashem kecha nosen that God has given you, this you should place it into a basket, and bring it to the place that God will choose, it's reference to Jerusalem, the the place that Hashem has chosen, to rest His name there. Then the Torah says, you give the basket to the Kohen, and together you lift it, it says one pasuk later, the Kohen takes it from your hand, and the Gemara says, what they would do is, they would together they would hold it, and they would lift it up and down, back and forth, in all four directions, and up and down, just like we do with the Lulav. Then the Kohen would take the basket and place it next to the Mizbeach, next to the altar, inside of the Beis Hamikdash, inside of the Temple. After this, the Torah says that the person who's bringing these fruits has to make a declaration, a little history lesson, talking about the past, about the Jewish people, and how they got into Israel. He starts out by talking about when the Jews went down to Egypt, and they started off there as a small nation and slowly grew to be a great nation. And then the Egyptians enslaved them and gave them difficult labor. He continues to describe how the Jews called out to God and said, please God save us. And God saved them, took them out of Egypt, and brought them to the land of Israel. He completes his declaration by saying, these are the fruits that God has given me. He bows to God, and he rejoices, the verse said, he must rejoice, and the Cohen keeps those fruits. There are many things to learn from this whole ritual. And the main thing that I think we see from here is that the whole idea of bringing these first fruits is the idea of Hakar Satov, showing gratitude to God. The first things, the first thing that we have created when we feel like it's something that's ours, we feel like it's something that we've, we've really put all of our effort into creating this thing. We recognize right away, this is, this is God's. This is something we have to thank God for because truly everything that we have is from God. That's the idea behind this entire scene, but there are a number of questions that arise we need to understand, and with that understanding we'll have a tremendous insight into the whole idea of gratitude, whether it's between man and God, or between man and man. Now let's go back over the steps that the person went through, because there are questions all along the way. The first thing that the person does is he brings this basket in, and together with the coin they lift it up, they shake it in the four directions, and up and down. What is that? What does that represent? What's the idea behind this shaking? That's the first question. The second question is, after that, the coin takes it and he puts it next to the Mizbeach. What does that represent? Second question. Third question, after that, he gives his whole history lesson. Why does he have to go through the whole history of how we went down to Egypt and how God took us out of Egypt with tremendous miracles and then he brought us into the land of Israel? What's the point of the history lesson? And finally, if the whole point of this ritual is to show gratitude to God, to say thank you for the, the fruits and for all the good things that you've given to us, Why is it that we give the fruits to the Kohen? If anything, maybe we should put them on the mezbeach, they should be burnt up as an offering to God. Why is it that we, Dafka, specifically go and give it to the Kohen? Why is that the end of this whole ritual? Why is it that the Kohen ends up with the fruits? Before we begin to explain all these questions, there's something very fundamental that we need to understand about the way God created the world and the way He set up human nature and the way He set up the social systems of people by the way, this whole idea is taken out of the book Me Me'elio, Strive for Truth originally written by Rav Elio thus translated by Aryeh Carmel and the idea has to do with giving and taking because there are two types there are two ways that people can approach the world giving and taking a person can say, I have to worry about my rights what's coming to me I'm always worried about what I can get out of this relationship what I can get there's that ego-centered attitude That's unfortunately prevalent very much in much of the Western world, and much of the world in general. The other way of looking at it is, how can I give? What can I give to others? How can I give to my spouse? How can I give to my children? How can I give to my community? How can I give to the world? If we think about it and you go look at any relationship between people, when do relationships succeed and when do they fail? A relationship fails when everyone's worried about what I can get out of it. And a relationship succeeds when they're only worrying about what, the other, what I can give to the other person, or how we can work together to accomplish something together. But let's go even deeper into this idea, because if we understand this, we understand something fundamental to the entire world, to the entire way that God set up the world, and to the entire purpose of creation. Let's start by asking an even more basic question. Why did God create the world? The Ramchal and many others, the Bali Machshava, all of the great philosophical works they say that the reason that God created the world is in order to bestow the ultimate good, to, to have His creations experience His goodness. There's no greater enjoyment in the world than in experiencing God. So God could have just created us and said, Here, enjoy it, enjoy me. But God did not want to do that. Instead, God set it up that in order for us to enjoy God, in order to receive the eternal reward, we have to undergo numerous nisiones. Numerous tests in the world, and we have to use our conscience to choose good. Once we have chosen good, then we have earned the reward. God has set it up that when we choose good, we do His commandments, we follow His Word. We are choosing to be what He wants us to be, and in that way, we earn the reward. The reason it's set up this way is because there's something called de Kisufa. If you would get something for free you would eternally feel like this is something I don't really deserve. You couldn't properly enjoy the good thing that you're getting. But now that you've earned that thing, now that it's something that you have gotten by your own efforts, and you've proved that you deserve it, now it's something that you can enjoy for real. Now the question remains, why did God have to set it up this way? Why did God make it this way that you have to be embarrassed, as if to say, in order to receive His reward? Why does it have to be that you have to earn that reward? This comes down to a very, very deep idea that I've seen in Arya Kaplan as well as other places. And that is that when it comes to spiritual things, what does it mean to be close? When I say I want to be close to God, what does that mean? In a physical world, so you can say two two people that are in proximity of each other, I'm standing right now next to the microphone, so if I'm close enough to it, then I'm close to the microphone physically. And if I'm far away from it, I'm far away from the microphone physically. But what does it mean in spiritual terms to be close to something? The bali Baalimachshava, the deep philosophers say, the Jewish philosophers say, that it means that a person is like that other thing. The more you are like another thing, the closer you are to it spiritually. Le-Mashal, for example, if a person knows, the more a person knows about another person, or if let's say you have two people who have the same experiences, the closer they are spiritually. A man and a wife, they experience so many things together, they become closer spiritually. When a person, the more a person makes himself like God, the closer spiritually he becomes to God. Because in the spiritual world, opposites repel. Things that are alike attract. That's the idea. So the more that a person makes himself like God, the more he tries to imitate God's ways, the closer he comes to God. God made it. You have to earn your reward. You have to create it out of yourself. Because just like God does not need to get anything from anybody else, and His existence is, as if to say, self-propelled, so too a person's existence, the ultimate way to be like God and to experience His goodness is only if a person has actually earned it and created it himself. That's the idea, that's the concept. Now let's bring this back to the idea of giving and taking. In order for a person to be the most like God, God does not need anything. God does not need to receive anything from us. God is perfect, He is unchanging. He doesn't need anything that we do. However, when we give to other people, we're making ourselves like God. When we take, we're making ourselves repelled from God, we're making ourselves distant from God. When we become ego-centered, all we're thinking about is ourselves, then we become distant from God. When we focus on giving to others, and giving to our spouses, giving to our children, giving to people in our society, giving to people in our communities, when that's our focus, we become more and more like God, and that makes us closer to God. And that's why when the Ger came, there was a Ger Tzedek, a righteous convert that came to Hillel and said to him, teach me all of the Torah on one foot. Meaning, sum it up for me, sum up the Torah. Hillel said to him, love your friend like yourself. Because the whole idea of the Torah is to bring a person close to God. The way a person becomes close to God is by being like God. And the only way you can be like God is by being a giver. That's the idea of giving in the Torah. Based on this, Rav Dessler asks a tremendous question. If the whole idea, the whole purpose of our being here is to give to others, is to become givers and not to become takers, then how is a person supposed to take? How is a person supposed to receive? If there are no receivers, there can't be any givers either, right? So how is a person supposed to approach receiving? And he explains so beautifully that the idea is that as long as a person shows gratitude for everything that he receives, when a person shows gratitude, in essence, his taking is also giving. I think the explanation for this is when a person really feels gratitude deeply inside of him and he appreciates what someone else has done for them, it makes them want to give back. It makes them want to give more. It makes them want to do the same type of giving that he received. It makes them want to do to others. And therefore, it's a cycle that creates an upward spiral up and up and up. Giving, receiving, giving, gratitude, giving, receiving, gratitude, giving. That's the idea of gratitude. Gratitude. And it's so essential, so fundamental, it's something that we have to think about and really take to heart. Now let's bring this whole conversation back. Back to the Bikurim, back to the first fruits, back to our Parsha. If you recall, the first thing that a person does, he comes to the temple, he brings the fruits in his basket, and together with the coin, they lift it up, up and down, back and forth in all four directions. The Gemara explains in Sukkah that the reason that they wave the basket in four directions is to represent the idea that God rules over all four directions, the four corners of the earth. And the reason that they would shake it up and down is to represent the fact that God rules over the heavens and the earth. Right away, the first thing that you're doing, you're shaking. You're showing that God is the ruler. Everything that I have, this this too, this fruit as well, comes from God. Right away, you're recognizing that what you have is from Him. Then they take it and they place it next to them as Beach. The Mizbeach is the place of the Korbanos, again, the idea of coming close to God, connecting to God by recognizing the good, we connect to God, we contribute to the cycle of giving by showing our gratitude. Again, that's why you place it next to the Mizbeach, the place of Korbanos, the place of connecting to God. At the same time, the person goes and says over the history lesson about about how the Jews went down to Egypt and how they were enslaved there and they experienced tremendous hardships and how God saved them, took them out of Egypt and brought us to the land of Israel. All this, again, is coming to concretize in the person's mind, his gratitude, thanking God. Wow, God took me out of Egypt, and He took me and He brought me to this wonderful land, this land of Israel, Ertz, land flowing with milk and honey, and that's where my fruits are coming from, from this land. Again, reinforcing that idea of gratitude. And then he finishes it off, he bows down to God. Again, the idea of bowing down is showing that I admit that everything that I have is from you, God. That's the idea of bowing down. Every single step here is gratitude. And finally, and this is what, what should strike you as odd. What what happens to the fruit? You would think, as I mentioned before, you would think it should go on the Mizbeach, it should be sacrificed upon the altar to God. But no, it's given to the Kohen, to the priest, who true, he is the messenger of God. But Lomaisa, in reality, you're not giving it directly to God. What's the meaning of this? But I think in light of what all that we have said, the whole point of gratitude, like we said, is to create the desire for a person to give, to become more like God. Therefore, it's especially appropriate that this offering is given to the Kohain, because it, it reinforces the idea that when one has gratitude, he has to give to others. He has to give back, he has to give to his community, he has to give to the world. That's the message of Parsha's Kisavo. That's the message of this whole idea of the offering of the first fruits. I thank you for listening. As I've said in the past, if you have any questions or comments, if you'd like to drop me a little note that you enjoyed the the Dvar Torah, please feel free to email me, Ari Goldwag, A-R-I-G-O-L-D-W-A-G, at gmail.com. Have a great Shabbos.